Welcome to episode two of Rockwell with Today we will experience Rockwell with Al Tuck and Charles Austin. Please enjoy yourself. Uh, our sources are telling us that this conversation took place at approximately 6.40 p.m. on February the 29th, 2020, at the Lion's Head Pub and Eatery. This was about a week or two before the uh, initial COVID-19 lockdowns in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Let's, uh, let's move on. Let's move through this together. Thank you. Al Tuck, Charles Austin, nice to see you guys. Uh, so you guys started out in blue, bluegrass lawnmowers, we refer to you, right? <laughs> well, I think that's uh, kind of that's when I met Al. I, I think Al had been doing solo, had a solo. You had a you had a, a, a tape out before that, didn't you? Two tapes. Two yeah. Tapes. So I've been like, I, I think I met tapes. Al in '88 or '89. So. They found out I had a mandolin. Yeah. They had. Uh, I mean, I could I could give you the preamble. They had a really good. Uh, this uh, flat Perry Norris, a really he was a really good guitar player, and um, they were looking to put together like something like a string string band, I guess you call it. So. That's that's pretty cool. That's a nice way to start. You know, you, you had the mandolin and let's do it. <laughs> what albums did you guys do together after that? Like for your for your output, you well, did Charles the new Zomber High Road too. Yeah, the High Road new song. As a player. Yeah. He's on uh, parts of my a little first bit too. Yeah, a little tiny bit. And uh, he added a lot to those. But yeah. He, and then uh, I didn't have anything out for six years. And, until uh, the one we did yeah. in the mullet. Yeah, I knew how to wrote a song. Right. Yeah. Well, it was up, it was uh, top floor of the Kyber building, and um, this guy I knew at the time, uh, Chad Jago, who was a guy from Moncton who played drums in a few bands and kind of knew, was in the arts community, and he found out there was a space for rent at the top of the Kyber. It was relatively cheap, so uh, Kevin Lewis and I were like, yeah, we're going to start a studio up there. We had no... We didn't... Well, we... <laughs> we, we, we didn't have, setup kind of thing. It was kind of like... It was like... It was basically like saying, oh, I'm going to, you know, go for a swim in the pool, but it turns out to be, you know the Atlantic Ocean, like, you kind of, yeah. you jump in, and you think you know what you're getting into, and it, you know, I mean, like, to, even despite that, I mean, like, it's funny, like, uh, New High wrote a song, like, I got, I get, t- I get, uh, a friend of mine just texted me, like, uh, like, a month ago, and they're like, oh, classic, classic, oh, it's, yeah. It, well, that's, okay, well, for me, for your, for Al's music, um, I went for a drive with my stepdad one afternoon, he put on Buddha and it blew my fucking mind and so then so you were a kid yeah I was just a little yeah, yeah. and then <laughs> and then I heard New High Road a song and I heard the Buck 65 scratched I think the first the opening track so I think or the first to the last yeah, yeah. and uh, that that really fucking expanded like oh shit El Tuck's working with Buck that's cool there's <laughs> a there's something uh, there's something too about that I gotta cause you probably you might not want to blow your own horn, but I remember when you wrote uh, "Eliminate You," you were saying, "Oh, I see it being played in like, um, you know, as a soccer theme or something." The song "Eliminate You," and then the guy eventually, the guy from like Big Sugar, like covered that song with that really? express goal. Like it was like it's almost like you foresaw. <laughs> like that was weird. That's crazy. That's some weird shit there. Well, he said he had connections with the Leafs, but I, it hasn't been played so. In time, but uh, but uh, another weird coincidence is the guy, this guy I worked with at the post office, um, 
designed the cover for that record. Richard something. He designed the he took new, the high, high new high road song. We were talking about. I was like, he was like, uh, he was like, I went to NASCAD, and I was like, oh yeah. And I was like, yeah, I was involved in like music stuff or blah blah. Start talking, and it turned out he designed the cover for that. Did uh, Dennis get him to do, hire him to do that? Yeah, maybe. Because this has nothing about. His name is Richard something. Richard Black. The guy that Mr. Black. He's a Freemason. No. <laughs> so like, did you know Dennis, the guy with the dropping age in I, label? I very vaguely. He's a shadowy uh, figure. There's a lot of like. So man, many shadows. Like, just reminding me of all this stuff. Listening stuff. back to the interview that we did originally, like sit back yeah, in there, yeah, yeah. which I'll eventually try to turn into something. But uh, oh, you got to talk already? Yeah, we uh, we had a long conversation. Like two, like the recorder died, and then I turned it off by mistake. It was a fucking shit show, but uh, it was fun. But so your new album, uh, Days of the Looking Glass, the the G McClellan songs. Uh, I was looking at the band camp. It seemed seemed like it was quite the production. Uh, <laughs> you, you want to talk about the session? Like seemed like quite the crew. What happened? Was it a, just like a, awesome. one, one or two days? Two days, mostly one. Yeah. I had laryngitis. I was coming off uh, a yeah. condition uh, first on the Tuesday, I think, and then the following Monday I, it had cleared up. So we redid everything, and most of it was from that day. If you hear me with sounding different, it was from the first uh, yeah. first week. And, yeah. And like all of two days, daytime. It's funny. Uh, obviously. Jim McClellan wrote Snowbird that launched Ann Murray uh, my dad used to tour around with Ann Murray he was a folky Vance Rockwell in Alberta he used to hang out with Ian Tyson and Gordon Lightfoot oh really yeah I've, there's this guy on uh, Discogs that uh, he's still putting my like distributing my dad's 45s he's in the UK so I'm gonna get a hold of him eventually Vance Rockwell yeah. cool okay. he's got his, his stuff on YouTube there's a few okay cool yeah. Might be like our, you know, Corey Dall- Dallin from Saskatoon. This kid, his dad was like that. Yeah. Like had a bunch of 45s. Like a, uh, yeah, like yeah. Se- seven, 1972, he did like this split single, uh, or not split, but it was Child and Highway. And like, it's, it's on YouTube. It's pretty fucking cool. Oh, cool. There's a whole bunch. Cool. Uh, and he recorded, what's that? His first name? Vance. Vance. He cool. passed away a little while ago, but uh, he did his last tape that he did in the 90s, he did it at CFAT. Which was okay. kind of fun. Okay, we're going. I, I went to Center for Art Tapes. Uh, I was down. You, I figure, like, you, I, you I, I like heard that name. I Center for Art Tapes or something like that. Um, I I, Center yeah. for Art Tapes used to be different, too. It was more like. You know, when we start, when we first met, there was like nobody who had the technology. Like you remember that, you remember that bizarre session we did for uh, with Steve Kamov of the bread, the bread, the bakery, where they we did a uh, pot pie, please. Beef. Yeah, it tell me if I'm if I'm uh, become too verbal. You can tell, you shut me. We uh, we had a bass player, well Tracy Stevens, who's still around, is very sardonic, kind of deadpan guy. He works at uh, Trident, doesn't yeah, he? He's yeah, he's one of the owners of the Trident, and he won't go there when one of the other owners. He he does he dislikes one of the other owners so much that he won't go there when he's there. But uh, and it's like an it's, it's an open arrangement. It's like that's the arrangement. Huh. And then, uh, like, uh, really, this Paul Mandel, a banjo player, who is like kind of like he's an amazing banjo player, and a real character. But the guy, the guy that was recording us, uh, later went on to be like a big label uh, guy. I think. Oh yeah, um, Move Toronto kind of thing. Steve, uh, no, we got Castle in oh. England. He's like um. He's an electronic music guy who kind of, if you see a picture of him, he looks a lot like like Trent Reznor kind of thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, and he builds studios in uh, container pods now. Um, but he kind of didn't really understand where we were coming from. We didn't understand where he was coming from. So it's like this kind of really nice, like like this beautiful song that's got, uh, you know, it's, it's 
should have sounded like real, really kind of organic. And when it got done there, it, sound, it sounded kind of like a digital frosting kind of. We but we couldn't articulate what was wrong with it, but there was something. Well, we they, all felt in our guts that it was. Yeah. <laughs> it was. Everybody thought like it, it wasn't a professional recording if you if you weren't uh, doing everything separately. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they still thought that. Yeah. So like you had to do it all separate yeah. to make it the best you could make it. Yeah. Yeah. So we did everything separate. <laughs> yeah, we're. The drums sounded like a, a couple fish hitting you. Yeah, I feel like 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 not even a real fish, like a like a like a, a rubber fish. It was yeah, it was. See, Al kind of did. Met. Al basically what happened is I started doing. The recording I played in a Super Friends for a couple of years, and then I just did recording. Whereas Al has, I guess, always been writing and performing. So how many how many records have you made now? Like nine or ten or something like that, or uh, like yeah, uh, something like that. Yeah, yeah like, uh, like I got three in my pocket there. That'll yeah. make twelve. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you always get something yeah. finished. Yeah. yeah, you know. So it's kind of yeah. Um, and Charles has made um, 9,000 records? Or like Something like that. Speaking of you always performing, uh, performing, I remember the first time I saw, finally did see you after listening to you as a kid. It was Live Bait Theater. Your fucking car broke down on the way, I, I'm assuming on the way to PEI. And Julie, play, Julie played a set, and you showed up and just did this 10-minute song in... You were like, can someone help me get home at the end? But it was amazing. It was amazing. Like, I'm finally seeing Al Tuck. It's fucking crazy. Huh. Just a memory of life. In Charlottetown? Or in in uh, Sackville, New Brunswick. Oh, okay. Like, you yeah. broke, broke down near Bagtown. And well, ended up at Live Bait. Time, what year? It must have been 2005 <laughs> or 2006. You were up there for a while, weren't you? Like, were you? Yeah. I ended up moving there in 07, I think. Yeah. yeah. And, I, uh, I lived, lived there pretty much 05 to 08, Duke, and going to Mount A and, and whatnot. Mount Allison. And so that was pretty I was stranded there for eight days in 05, I guess. Or maybe early 06, wintertime. The van wouldn't take me out of there. I broke down several times trying to get over there. Mm-hmm. Once right under the honeybee importation prohibited sign. <laughs> <laughs> too much blue. You're playing too much blues. I, I <laughs> Tow truck coming to take me back. And they couldn't figure it out. No. And I had a great, it was a great time, seven, seven days, but the eighth day was no good. Yeah, time to get out of here. And, uh, you, you got somebody, you could do you like some, 200 yeah. podcasts. How like like we didn't really know we knew that like we like playing the songs or the bluegrass lawnmower like we liked the songs and we didn't it was a lot of traditional songs right yeah and uh, these guys like Al and Harry were deep into this music I had no clue about like I used to go over to the apartment and they'd play like uh, who's who's that blues Pete uh, Pete uh, Williams? Yeah. Oh, Pete, uh, which one? One of the guys Pete, who was like... Pete Wheat Show? One of the guys, like, he played, like, Miles Davis, and then the guy who was, the guy who was in prison, who was, like, a flat, uh, finger-picking blues guy. Just, Robert Pete Williams. Robert Pete Williams. Bill Monroe, all the stuff. I, like, I, I was listening to, like, Dinosaur Jr. or something. I had no clue about any of this stuff, and then they kind of, like... Blew your mind? With yeah, the, with like, the, yeah, it's like... Instrumentation, totally different kind of feel. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They were doing, like, Little Sadie, like Little Sadie, uh, Al, they were. Do, Al was doing all these covers, of all these songs that now, I mean, like Willie Stratton, now is doing a cover of Little. You know what I mean? Like it's like it was the Sadies. The Sadies, yeah. yeah. So I mean, God bless the Sadies. So. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it actually just its best purpose was to uh, frustrate the members to the extent that they. <laughs> what they wanted to do in their next band. <laughs> yeah. Kind of motivate them. was get... like the super friends. You know, best perfect. Not, not really. Cause it was, was kind of like, like you knew the songs were never going to be of the same caliber, but you might. The thing is like, there's a difference between like being a kind of like a folk ensemble and then being like a rock band. Like a rock band, like 
practices the songs like it's like this is the song and this is how long it is. Whereas the folk ensemble, it's like it could be a different key. It could be. It, it, it's more of a. It, it's more uh, organic. And I mean, it was in retrospect, it was pro it's probably a lot more fun, like not having a, uh, a script every night. So it's it's funny how that. It's interesting. Oh, I used to hear some some of these songs when he was working on them. When uh, like the first time he was working on a song, and I didn't know that at the time. I thought, okay, my, you know, my buddy's a good songwriter, but I didn't know that like as time is kind of testing. Like I feel like, well, proofs cool. in the proofs in the pudding, right? Like and uh, you're one so, of the you're one of the craziest fucking songwriters come out of the Maritimes in the past 20 years. Oh, I'd say I'd say that's mind. that's a conservative estimate. You create crazy like crazy. Awesome. Yeah, I'd say the Maritimes, no problem, man. There's no question. It's more, it's more like, you know, for me, it's it's, it's, can, it's Canada, and it's not even like in there. But you know, the work, you know, you just kind of. Well, who's better in the states? Uh, <laughs> Maybe uh, right now. Well, yeah, right now. Uh, I love Cass McCombs. I mean, it's not. He's on like the West Coast. Towns Van Zandt was pretty good. Towns Van Zandt was pretty good. Oh, okay. Oh, oh yeah. We're gonna go back. Back. Yeah. Willie was good. Willie. For Willie's sure. still there. Bob. Willie. Oh, your cover is signed on the window. It's really good. It's off the first one of the early ones, right? The guy from the Germs? No, I don't. Know. <laughs> yeah, that was the only time in my whole uh, life that. Uh, I was out of songs yeah. to record because oh, I yeah. had I put out the first, yeah. first our holy our holy yeah. and then right away we got to do brave last days with, and we had yeah, seven with the, songs the mind blower on. Yeah. and Charles came in and I uh, was like I'm just about out <laughs> and it's the only time in my life that's been the case mm -hmm. And so, so what we did we did sign on the window just because that's what I happened to be doing at the time. One of my favorite Bob Dylan covers. I got uh, some of the first words backwards, but thanks. Do you mind like with Dil with Dylan? Like I remember you saying once that like he kind of point pointed you in a lot of different like what he was influ like he was all he was almost like kind of like a a roadmap to something. That's the thing that's really cool about Dylan is like how he kind of opened up this whole territory of like an older there's world. Or so, and there's so many different phases of Dylan too. It's amazing. I was just watching. Well, I did a, what he wanted me to do. Yeah. Like, you ever, he said that like you don't be way into a, an artist and not care about what made them or what yeah. went into them. Yeah. He said that you don't do that. You find out every nook and cranny of their their uh, you dive experience. In. Whatever, you know? So I just did yeah. that. Yeah. Exactly what he wanted somebody to do. I got this half-inch A-track machine from a guy out in the South Shore, but it was this guy kept saying like how he'd written all these songs for like Entertainment Tonight and all this kind of like <laughs> stuff. Yeah. So, <laughs> so we gave us a bunch of these tapes, right? And we were like going to tape over them. And the thing that's funny is like sometimes with these demos and stuff, this machine, you come to an end of a song, and we were like, you know playing rock and roll or playing whatever like and then suddenly his stuff would come on and be like super loud drum machines and super loud keyboards and it would be like and they ended up getting kind of like incorporated in a few of the songs like at the end it'd be like no facts from his recordings kind of thing I don't know how he got the levels he got to tape were so loud man like he was like a genius for that but uh but uh I think we used that for uh I don't know yeah, ask more about the ask more about the, what happened to his four tracks, man. That's a tragic story, actually. Yeah, man. Because like he um like the the demos for New High Road Song were incredible. They're all done in four track. Okay, and then and the, the fire, that kind of famous fire that uh, on um, well, you can ask him. Like, yeah. I'll, I'll like. What happened at Echo Chamber? Like, uh, why did you have to move to Ocean Floor? Or what uh, oh, on? just 
the Taekwondo guy below me was really loud. Um, and then there was a pool hall that got built and subsequently is gone now. But that construction for that was insane. And I was paying like too much noise. I was paying like thirteen hundred a month, like a lot of money, man. It was like really hard to make. You know, to, to make that money was like, and like kind of like I got you know family and stuff. It was like it was it was crazy. Like yeah. so, I was just realized I was like looking at my. So basically, Taekwondo from like four to eight o'clock, which were like the prime recording hours, and then with the pool hall, it was just like you know what, man, like. Uh, and it was really, it was a really hard decision. Like it was kind of like I'd been there for like ten years, and I put like so oh, so much. Uh, it was amazing. Spot. So much sweat into that place, man. And uh, yeah, and moving out of there, I basically did it all by myself. Not completely, but like eighty percent of it. And I, I, I got so like it was during the summer, and I got so sweaty, I like burst out into hives. It was, it was kind of like a heavy. Uh, it was a heavy um, time. Oh. Thank you. Thank you very much. But, um, now... And you guys are in Fantasy, uh? I, I got that, yeah, with, um, Mitchell Weed, but it's just, like, it's just, like, kind of, like, me and my friends getting together every couple of weeks to make some noise. What about... Is there going to be any any more, uh, Psychic Fair singles, you think? Um... Or is that kind of... I got a whole record with Josh done, but it's not under Psychic Fair. It's called, uh... It's called Coloring Outside. It's, I, I remember it's a, that it's one. Fake, that was dope. Yeah, it's a fictional band from... Uh, it's like a fake indie band from St. Pierre Mickle in the late 80s. <laughs> <laughs> this is the concept. We got a whole record done. Um, Have you talked to Super Friends lately at all? Yeah, but we're not. I don't think we're going to do anything. No more reunions? I got, a ro- I got a power trio with... Uh, Kind of just a recording project with the drummer from uh, Walrus. Jordan is like my favorite drummer, and um, yeah, Walrus. He's a great, great fucking drummer. And then this girl, Jess, Jess uh, Lewis from this Cactus Flower. So I got a power. Lewis. Yeah. What I mean, like it's just like. Uh, you, you, you've done some of my favorite albums, man. Like, I mean, favorite local albums. Sorry, right on not, to, not to diminish, but uh, like my, you worked on uh, uh, Mike O'Neill's uh, "What Happens Now," right? Yeah, man. But you did a lot of. Yeah, like, I, I could hear bass the, on that record. I could hear the. Even, like when you gave me that studio tour, we started it off, and you showed me all the instruments and all the rooms, and like I yeah, and I listened to that album Mike, that was six months I, later, and I was like, holy yeah. fuck, I can hear it all. Mike, Mike, I, I talk to Mike like every day. He's like, yeah. we just text each other, but is he, he's is another he still great. In no, he lives in Toronto, but um, he's another guy of like for sure. Like Al's probably you know. Everybody, everyone. everybody kind of knows who knows Al knows he's like you know he's, he's the best songwriter around. He is the fucking best songwriter. It's, it's crazy. And I mean, there's and it, people are good songwriters like who uh, you know like you know know what's up. Yeah. Know what's up. You know. Same thing with like. Um, it's interesting though. It's good. It's good. So now, so you did an interview with Nigel a while ago. Yeah, we did one on Christmas break. And, oh, right on. And then I got sick and overcome with anxiety, and I just. How are you doing now? I'm pretty good now. Yeah, you seem pretty good. Man. I'm really trying to figure it out, and I've got, I've got I'm working on it. As it works. Yeah, have you got anybody like helping you out? Kind of? Yeah, I'm doing. I'm trying some therapy. Yeah. And I've, I've got a girlfriend that's really supportive. Right on. Yeah. The world is stressful, man. It's like it's crazy. modern life is stressful. You know, it's like well, yeah, we're all you don't feel crazy. our cell phones and all that. Yeah, man. I, it's kind of like if you don't feel crazy, it's like what what's wrong with you? Yeah, really. Um, I you mean, still talk to Buck sixty five. Yeah, just, just uh, I email him every once in a while. Because like you did, you guys did Square and honk, ho- talking honky blues. Which yeah, he, Square was major for me. He really, um, I he, I learned a lot from working with him and this other guy. Um, 
Graham. Yeah. About like I didn't know anything about like sample, how that how that kind of music worked, like sample based music. It's, it's pretty interesting, like seeing those guys. Like you were well, from our original conversation, you were saying he worked at Paper Chase. And, yeah. Yeah, it was just like the DJ dude, and, and then t- his his career turned into something crazy too. Well, he he knows like if you saw his, I had to store his hip hop cassettes once, and it was like. Yeah. He, when he was moving, it was it was like he had more cassettes of hip hop than like probably a, like a thousand cassettes of like and he knew everything, right? Are you still living in PEI? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. But so I guess so like you. Uh, two personal questions. Yeah. No, my wife's. Uh, yeah, she, she lives. Oh, cool, cool. Good, good. Good, yes, please. <laughs> That'll be my last. All right. Do you know that Ocean Floor is named after a Scribbler's song off of this one of the seven inches? No, but I, Frank, <laughs> Frank said that he thought it was a cool name. And yeah, yeah. Off one of his I The thing I don't understand is, like, Frank is so, um, maybe, well, maybe it's, like, very, like, very chill. Yeah. And I feel like some of the other guys in Scribbler are more intense oh, personalities. Absolutely. Yeah, so Seamus, he might, like the glue or something. Charles knows what's happening. Like, I used to know. I don't know anymore. I don't know anymore either because I don't go to shows. I, last show I went to was your fucking Are show. Are there shows? Shows. There's shows. <laughs> people, people put together things and show there's up. Like, there's like, there's like a, there's like a, you know, a country scene, like a blues scene. I've, there's yeah. like metal. There's hard, like hardcore. There's punk, and then there's kind of like the, the scoop outs kind of. Yeah, scene, but that that's not even it. The band anymore, yeah, really. They were great, but then there's like the kind of like pure professional, like kind of like grand. You seem to like kind Jacob's of, Lounge a lot. No, I haven't been. There. I haven't seen a show there yet, but I've, I've been wanting to. Is that you did a show the night before last, or yeah, right before last, and for the new album? Yeah. Did you do solo or? No, we had. Um, that was a reggae show. Andrew, Glenn Cross, and Chris Cooks. Yeah, you said dub tuck, and I was like, what the dub? Really? It was, it was just the way we described it. Whoa. That's amazing. And we did exactly what we planned. Fuck. I wish I had been there. <laughs> Chuck said that the, the four tracks, the demos for uh, new, new High Road of Song got lost in this epic fire. Well, can you, can you speak to that? that? The demos were... Those were... I imagine they were fucking. They were good. I thought they were cool at the time, but I don't know. Plaskett, they do survive. What? Yeah, because after the fire, Joe Plaskett, that's what he brought me. Really? Was because uh, I shared them with him. Oh, Charles got the demos. Oh fuck! He gave me a disc. It's all one track. And the problem with them is they're too long. Yeah. I was just freaking around on a four track and experimenting and just trying to. That's what right. Craig and I are so trying to do. So they're not song length, so too long. I could like yank them. Oh really? I'd like to hear that. Yeah. Even even just to pull one or two, you could do like a EP with like was, the early four track recording. It was all like vocal bass parts, right? The thing that was really cool is like what acoustic guitar. And like, what were you doing for rhythm, like? Well, I was into the uh, <laughs> the, the Congo, the clave, the clave. Yeah. Oh, okay. I figured out know what the clave is for each two. Oh, okay. And I was tapping that on. Uh, I think it was an ashtray. Like My dad was into classic claves. He was way into that. <laughs> It was cool. So that was my drum in the four track. Yeah. Or no, the beat was coming from uh, muted jazz chords on the acoustic guitar. Yeah. Right, right close up, so it was just like a pulse. It was very, very jazzy. Um, and very then Sean, what, what did Sean McCarran have to do with that stuff? No, but she came in after and, uh, and uh, he did some nice stuff on the... Yeah, he played on a couple of Yeah. But I don't, oh, well, yeah. When I put this together, my four-tracking concept, arrangement concept, I put it together with an actual band at his place. And uh, I had everybody doing everything that I wanted them 
exactly the way the way and it fucking turned out beautiful. I didn't have to do anything. I went outside of his I remember smoking outside of his room and hearing the music just the way I wanted it. <laughs> just grinning ear to ear and just like, yes, this is it. Right on. Man. But that, that, that concept got subverted uh, in the mullet there when uh, Real Body Rock materialized the drummer on my first two albums. Okay. Brock Caldwell. Six years in between, no albums, no Body Rock. <laughs> Charles called him Body Rock. Okay. Rock. Mr. B body Rock. Like B Rock, Body Rock. He's he a fucking, he's a fantastic drummer. Playing play with his own jazz trio across the street wow. the night before I had studio time. And even though I had a drumless concept, the, rhythm, the beat, backbeat was going to come from the music, the guitar, playing jazz chords. Uh, <laughs> and that was, the whole thing was hung off of that. <laughs> so I couldn't resist because Brock was back and we went into like, I could have, we could have released the drums without anything else. The feel was crazy. It, just, it was a major, like, heavy heavy compared to the rest of it kind of thing. Yeah, so the whole concept was shot and I spent far too much time adding and subtracting. So it was like playing Twister in those days when you went to mix something complicated like that. Oh yeah, yeah. Charles would be like, have his tape moving the reel around and uh, one fader and like, yeah. and trying to reach Kevin over there to give him the signal. signal and <laughs> when? I would now. have to do something too. Yeah. But, yeah. Just the distortion a little bit. Um, so, I don't know that much about Gene McCollum. Like, they, I know amazing songwriter. Like, and the, but was where's where was, was Gene from? PEI kind of thing or like really? Mm-hmm. Uh, I grew up in Toronto. Okay. And what what connect. brought you to want to cover cover? That's a good question. Well, <laughs> Well, I was no different than anybody uh, until I married his daughter. I, I knew about, <laughs> I knew about uh, his music and had some regard. And my brother had one of his records when I was growing up, and that kind of struck me. Uh, and um, I listened, they had a compilation that came out in the 90s. I hear that when I was working at Sam's. Yeah. And like some... One of my some guy browsing the jazz section wearing black leotards would come up to me like with this like the guy had been in prison and Gene had sung to him in prison and changed his life. Uh, turned him to Jesus and uh, changed the rest of his life. Very cool. And there's stories like that from people that were just like if they heard him singing they'd be like just like Well that's what it's like going to one of your shows about. That for a lot of people, going to one of your shows can be an eye-opener. Yeah. Talking about a lot of dudes I've never heard of, which is cool. Well, Gordy Roach was kind of like probably the only guy I've ever heard actually uh, make a suggestion to you in the studio that you obeyed. <laughs> or he's like, just make it sound like a creaking of a ship's mast. <laughs> <laughs> but Gordy Roach is like cow, kind of like a, a Can you still have the tape you did before, uh, before the one we used? Where he sang? Probably. Because I told him stop singing, just talk. Oh, I know. Uh, I never heard the singing. Oh, uh, country, the country punk too. Yeah. So Gordy was like an older. Had that. You must have seen him around. He was like a cowboy singer. He was kind of like Al's running buddy for a while on tour and stuff. <laughs> I'd be headed out of town on a tour. <laughs> 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 Ready to leave. Drive down Buddy Day. See Gordy walking along. Roll down the window. What's up? Going on tour, Gord. You want to come? Yep. Oh, that's that. Sure. Open the door. In the car. That happened to me with Jared Brown. (laughs) You know Jared. You know Jared Brown. I was I was homeless in 2014 for about six months. And Jared, I went over to the McHara Street house where some friends lived. And Jared was there, and he's like, "You want to drive for a couple weeks?" 
you know, you're homeless. Come on. That was the craziest fucking two weeks of my fucking life right there. Just trying to babysit those guys for, and them babysitting me because I couldn't sleep. And I just barely... Other guys? It was me, Al, Al, Alex McDougal, uh, Rana, Cole and Keith Brown. So, and it was, it was like the, the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, Brown Band? Yeah, the J. Oh, that tour. Sound. That tour, yeah. We went up, we went straight to Montreal to do Montreal Pop. And they, I had to like pretend that was some poor dude they picked up to get an extra wristband. It was fucking nuts. Yeah. And I, I ended up on the way back, I just got out in Sackville and and took the bus home because it was too much. <laughs> Jared, <laughs> he was pretty Jared uh, booked me to buy a place in Spring Hill. Yeah. You hear about this? Vaguely, go on. I showed up with Gordy. Spring <laughs> <laughs> Hill. So we go to the place and we eat. Uh, we're thinking, this could uh, be interesting. And then, uh, but the owner didn't trust Jared or they had a blowout or something in And the owner had hired his own entertainment. So the place was double booked. And they yeah. didn't want us. Me and Gordy, right? Like huh. when we were eating, right? But uh, we got the meal and then Jared felt bad. And so we drove over to his place and he gave us like more yeah. weed than I ever oh, yeah. had. Garbage bags. <laughs> <laughs> we left town without doing the gig, <laughs> having had a free meal and, a, and now a big bag of weed. Enough, enough weed to last you. No gig, but that's all right. You know, we yeah. were there for an hour. <laughs> he was pretty good, man. Like Jared Brown's music was well, pretty good. He did she at Echo Chamber. No, yeah, I was impressed. He kept telling me that he was so crazy, and I don't, I didn't really, I didn't really believe it. Well, crazy like a fox, maybe. Yeah, no, on the exterior, it's with paranoia. In my experience, it's easy to portray someone that's fine. Oh yeah. Um, he was very down to earth with me. He just kept yeah. talking about money the whole time. It was like business, all business. Yeah, he didn't want. To, he wanted to make fine. sure that we were paid. I mean, I mean like, like the, 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 the thing that most indie rockers will never talk about. He was like, he was like, I only got 250 bucks. Well, but a, I was like, okay, let's do the whole offer. 250 bucks. Let's go. Brownstone. He's a. He considers himself. Yeah. He considers himself a fucking Freemason. Anyways. Yeah, he had a lot of theories. Anyways, Jared's he had some weird stories. Up. He had some but weird stories. Sure. I'll give him a chance to talk about I did like him. I mean, you got the thing about people is you got to go on what you can't go on what other people tell you. You got to judge. You don't even judge. You got to take what you see in front of you because you listen. I don't to know anybody in New Orleans. Yeah, you listen to what other people say about someone. There, there's so much like. Uh, Speculation. Spe- and kind of like people talking shit about other people. And, All the time. You know. All the fucking time. You gotta give people the benefit of the doubt because. Well, this is it. And you gotta let shit happen organically, too. In my experience. I, you know, I'll get really excited about something and you know, I might end up nagging someone about it, you know. But that's like. With Matt Rockwell, Charles Austin, it's fucking great so far to be talking to you guys. Yeah, it's fun. We did. We tried to do. A, I tried to do a podcast with uh, Garrett talking about Black Sabbath, Garrett Mason, and I realized how hard it is to kind of condense. Ducky's done. Is that that exists? Well, we did. We did the. I got the audio for it, but because he's someone who's like. A, the, the weird thing about, you know, there's no PhDs for, you know, Audio rock or, 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 or just for rock and roll, right? Like, yeah, the history of rock and things. That's about it. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, with someone like Garrett, he's so deep in a certain kind of music and, like, riffs and... Yeah, how you mentioned him on the first. Oh, he's a he, you know he's the best he's the best electric guitar player. And he was, he was saying he's all about just showing up, getting it, getting that recording, getting moving on to the next kind of thing. Well, he's very. I think there's. I think there's a lot of work going on, mental work that goes on before, you know, or like, and a lot of practicing. Mental gymnastics. Yeah. 
Yeah, a lot of um, Yeah, but he hasn't put anything out since Love and Sound. He hasn't released anything. Yeah, he's got. There's a lot. I saw of, him one night at, at uh, George's Roadhouse, and it blew my mind. I've never actually listened to his albums, but like, I know Garrett's fucking amazing. He's based on seeing him live. You know? Yeah, he's a musician. Like he's, he's his writing's really good, but he's a he's like a he's like a he's a player. Yeah, I mean he's a. I got so, to play through his set, his set, set up there a couple weeks ago. They, they were threatening to do some work together at some point, eh, you guys? Yeah. I don't know. What would that be, uh, that too? Maybe like Bloomfield and Dylan or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I should get him on a certain track. But Bloomfield was like this uh, this blues guitar player who played on uh, a bunch of like like the early Dylan Electric band. He was the lead guitar player and kind of brought that like heat to probably what like uh, you, like a Rolling Stone. What are some of your favorite Dylan albums if, if you had to? Oh. <laughs> Both of you guys. Well, ask it. you would know. It's so crazy. Yeah, what's your favorite music? Uh, well, that's how, you know. But, like, Infidels is one of my faves. I think he did that one with Mark Knopfler. That's what got me into him. Yeah, it's a great record. That had just come out, and I already had Times They Were Changing. Yeah. And, uh, a lot of the tracks was my Because that was my best guess at what this might be about. And then between, I looked at Times They Were Changing and Infidels. Totally I just had to figure out you know, get everything in between. You know, yeah. When it was infidel, infidels, I wrote down all the lyrics. And, uh, yeah, because you couldn't just look them up as no. you can now. That's right. Wrote them all down. I don't remember. I never played Sly and Robbie were the rhythm section on most of that too, right? Yeah. I, I still run into that occasionally because I love, I love copying people's lyrics and sharing them with other people from time to time and of some obscure band from wherever and I can't find the lyrics or something brand new. I can't find the lyrics. Well, I gotta fucking listen, try and discern with some fucking mumbly. Punk band. I'm not. I'm gonna guess what the lyrics are. But yeah, my lyrics are not aren't online. Anyway. No, I don't no. think I've ever seen any postings <laughs> on your. Ba- Never post any of them on the Bandcamp. I used to have some on the website, but it went uh, tits up and vanished. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's some kind of like altuck.ca that has other music Oh, yeah, altuck.ca. Oh, yeah. No. No. That was my email. I was, that was hijacked oh, yeah. and I lost. Yeah, and the I files just, disappeared. I keep being stripped of everything. Well, that, that happens to me, too. What was that record? What was that record? Was what was the record that you did that had a lot of like Jeff Arsenal and stuff on it? Um, my blues away. Yeah. Tuck my blues away. I'm gonna dredge up some more. Um, yeah. To be fair to Jeff and Brian who played on those, I only just used a few songs from this session because I was working on a couple things and only one of them came out. I think they will attach themselves nice enough. Two songs. Uh, they're gonna go on to this triple thing. And yeah, triple record. Yeah, a triple record coming up. Yeah. What's what is it? Career spanning or is it all? No, no, it's all since their country. Okay, yeah, yeah. Joel gave me three boxes of this. Oh fuck! The other day. Did he That's manufacture that? Eh? Yeah. That's a nice record. Okay, so this is three. What was the last one you two worked on? I think that one he just pulled out of okay, his pocket. Yeah. Friends, family, and flat. Nice. <laughs> like, like, okay, like, like Joel's th- threes. Yeah, there you go. The well, triple X. Oh, he's got a quadruple album now coming out. So. Yeah, the, the those singles. Because his new four. singles are pretty interesting. I like that. But uh, yeah, did you get one of them? I didn't, but I... You don't have a CD player. I do. I do now. You probably don't have a CD player. I have one in my car. You got a CD player? Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Yeah, we, when Joanne and I go for drives, we pop in some discs. I got picked up a couple from you at the show. Uh, oh, the last one I saw. Oh, yeah. 
This sounds really that kid. He's good. he's really good, man. As, as you know, that Aaron Camo kid, he knows what he's doing, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got the you got a bunch of new new dudes hanging out with you on that album. Are right? these guys all pretty heavyweight? Yeah, Galen. Uh, Brian, he became the drummer. I saw Bruce McKinnon. Is that like Bruce McKinnon from Halifax? Or is that just a same no. name? Same name. That's uh, sax, nah, okay. right. sax, clarinet, piano. This guy, uh, Eckert, plays pedal steel. I've heard of that guy. Smoked some wheelchairs, <laughs> weed. Oh yeah. And that's, I think he's got a place in uh, Rosedale. He just like he plays pedal steel all the time. I'm all about that, that <laughs> wheelchair weed when I'm smoking it. Man. Galen, he's he's killer. What's he play? Drums now. He he was <laughs> piano on Fair Country. Played classical piano on that. Looks like you guys. Swinney from the Peterborough. Ball. There, he played nice piano. There's two guys missing. Devin Henderson from Truro. You know Devin? From Truro? Truro Music Program. Oh, Angus Parks introduced me to him in the first place. player, what does he play? Yeah, bass, yeah. There was a... We've only... The time we spent together, I don't think there has been any that hasn't been on stage or in the studio. It's funny. Something about this kid, though. Maybe like clicking the glass before we played, and no other time together. Never, no, never rehearsed anything. That's a nice nice organic (laughs) feel. I mean, it's working with a stranger kind of thing. Well, that's cool. I'm sure that's happened lots, lots of it. Some. Um, I'm thinking of like major events that I've heard about in your career. Uh, Cone show with Hayden was like a major time for you, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. You opened or he opened I for opened, you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He wanted either Mike O'Neill or me. I was more willing, I guess. And, and uh, fit better probably too. Yeah, maybe the only. I was back from uh, overseas and. May I have another cup of coffee? Let me look. look I guess it's, it's been a pretty long career, room. right? Or what, whatever you want to call it. It's been so that Hayden show was fucking cool. Yeah, because like in the months after bit, that, the months after that, all these couples would come up, run into me somewhere, you know, in my own building, and I'd <laughs> say, yeah, we were there, we loved you. And, and that just kept going on and on for quite a while. Couple, nice couples. All, they all enjoyed it the hell out of and I And Dusty recorded it. Uh, Dusty? Mike at the back of the, the hall. Okay, yeah, yeah. And so... Uh, all right, uh, so there is an EP. There's, there's something on the back. Live album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's, that's, yeah that's why I wanted to look, because I'm like... <laughs> Yeah, in that trumpet, remember him? Was it Caleb? Yeah, Caleb Hamilton, who really should be there, but because uh, he's in Toronto now. He uh, had been doing this thing where he, for the first time he did it, he surprised me with his trumpet in the audience, right? Like, you whip it out of being in the audience and, and play along on Ring of Fire or something, or 5 And then we started doing more consciously. I would know. I'd see him come in, and I'd be like, wink at him or whatever. And, and, but he's appeared on the albums as And well. he would play in every larger venues, and then at the Cohen, i put him on the guest list. And I didn't know if he was going to do it. Did he just, like, pop up? He whipped it out yeah. for 5-0, yeah. Wow. And that just brought the house down. How many Cohen shows have you done? A couple? Three. Three? Yeah. Uh, well, it was that one, and then I got a Amelia Kern uh, set up a triple bill with her, uh, um, Little Lord and Hoggett, and, uh, oh, cool. and me, and I had funding enough for a nine-piece band. But that wasn't at all like the as much fun as the, the solo show for the young crowd. Yeah. It was everybody I knew in Halifax and they've been sitting there for two hours already and I couldn't even get a you know, I was well, it's hard to talk to I'd the lost crowd my sense of humor. Yeah. That's a good show though. It was alright. 
but the first time was when I was a kid in the boys' choir. Oh, yeah. Uh, I alluded to that on there. Okay. The choir was terrible. All the boys, older boys had quit after the previous uh, uh, choir master was embroiled in his scandal <laughs> following the trip to Bermuda. <laughs> And, uh, Thank you. You're welcome. I'm leaving you with collection. That's that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so the choir was just miserable. It was terrible. And there were other choirs and other acts. Uh, sort of part of the evening. And, uh, but I, my job is saying morning has broken. Two verses of mo morning has broken solo with Cat Stevenson. And we never sang anything like that under the previous director. And there I was singing that's so, pretty, that's solo pretty, uh, to a full that would have been Rebecca like, Cohen, Morning Has Broken. Like 70s or like 80s? Kind of, so that's kind of something. progressive for progressive choir move for the time? I guess it was. That's always exciting. So that, 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 that was the first Cass time I was there. Stevenson. I never really... I used to play the Convention Center all the time. Which Growing word? up, Confederation Center. Okay, yeah. But I haven't in my adult years. <laughs> so, um, Jim, I don't feel like you do to big tours that often, do you? No, try to keep it to three weeks. Or yeah. Where, like, what, do you have any tours coming up, or like, do you have any a favorite tour that you did over the years? <laughs> Maybe that's. Well, do you have a tour coming up at all? Anything? Just a few, a few dates in and around Toronto and uh, during the March break. Oh, yeah, yeah. We'll have our daughters there, too, so... That'll be fun. And I'll be working on the finishing the recording, so... For the I'm, triple. I'm yeah, it's more, recording, it's more for the recording. It's not a real tour. Maybe a tour. Well, it's just a couple shows along the way kind of thing. Well, it was going to be along the way, but then we decided to fly. Oh, I had a gig in Montreal. I had to blow off for now. You do pretty well in Newfoundland, don't you? Imagine. I should say, yeah, this is under, uh, under said, uh, yeah, I would be there a lot. People who live there thought I'd live there. They'd see me more than they'd see others who, who lived there. Right? For a while there, it was very important to me. I haven't been to Newfoundland yet, but I had a stepdad that, that lived there. Uh, or was from there, sorry, and some good friends from there. My wife's uh, mother is from there, and she's not. My wife hasn't been. Yeah. Leah. Uh, I gotta take Leah to Newfoundland. Because she doesn't didn't get a high opinion of it from her mother. It's a great city, man. Yeah, there's. Even just, uh, yeah, I love yeah, just to get stuck in Newfoundland for a minute would be kind of fucking cool. Right? It's got everything that you have here in kind of a smaller area. And cooler it's designs kinda, it's and layouts. It's kind of cooler, yeah. It's more... Or it's more peaceful, maybe. For matter. It's you got, Sorry, I'm interrupting. Uh, no, I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I would agree with all that. I mean, definitely really special place for sure. It supports the drinking life. Like, uh, it's like, yeah, that's it's like where, Ireland. That's where I stopped worrying about my contact lenses being, being <laughs> yeah. in my head yeah. <laughs> when I went to bed at night. And seven days later, I drove out of there with moist eyes, uh, you know, under the THC. TCH. <laughs> and, uh, and since then, I just keep them in. I learned not to worry, you know. I'm glad that you don't blast, uh, though. I'm <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to the I days like of learning not to worry, man. Because all that shit around your eyes, it only comes from worry. There isn't a problem. fucking movie. My, my stress headaches, it's all fucking worry. Oh, yeah, put it away. It's the same thing as bike helmets. I'm glad this guy, I never saw this guy wear a bike helmet. I thought <laughs> it'd, be better if, it'd be better if he got a tragic cycling accident. Yeah. involved a head injury than him wearing a bike helmet. Like some people, <laughs> make it their image of cool. cool. <laughs> Although when you saw uh, when you saw what, uh, Dylan, what was he wearing? 
yeah, a helmet. He had a hoodie. You saw Dylan once, twice? No, this is this is a good story. Yeah, let's hear about Dylan. Like, saw it on the street. Oh, fuck. Okay. Yeah, Hollis Street. Riding a bike. Yeah. I was, uh, I'd seen Dylan uh, 10 or 11 times, and he was playing the next night in Halifax, his second trip here. Yeah. And uh, I was hanging out with uh, a couple other Dylan, big Dylan fans. One of them had a uh, recent bootleg show playing on the in the backyard on the ghetto blaster. The other yeah, one was still the other one the was googling a dream he had. What Dylan said to him in a dream the night before, which was Five Flamingos, the name of a doo-wop group, right? And this is the early googling. Right? So he was over there googling what Dylan said in a dream. I'm like, enough, Bob. Bob. <laughs> oh, yeah, you, thought, you can suffocate, Bob. Yeah, I was like, you gotta take a break. enough, like, he's yeah. here tomorrow night. I've seen him a dozen times. It's like when I, I saw Wilco for the first time, or some other folky kind of band. You know, there's a year afterwards where, well, I saw them, I don't, and eventually I come back and I'm gonna listen to them again, but you know, yeah, I, I totally relate to that. Well, you can try to get away, but that's when you'll run into it, right? Like, <laughs> I walked out the door, I was like, enough, this is driving me crazy, I can't. Imagine. Well, like no, me, no yeah. more bomb, please. Right, like I walked out and I was walking up well, the middle of the street and I looked up and there he was on his bicycle with the mustache. He's fresh. Is there any kind of exchange of psychic energy? <laughs> well, it was one of the biggest thunderstorms I've ever seen. Right after. Right, rain is gonna fall. Did, did, did he see? So did he see you? I think so. I was walking up the middle of the street and drizzling, it was drizzling a bit, and he was driving toward me in the middle of the street, and I uh, just saw a mustache and the eyes, and radar, uh, <laughs> radar eyes. Yeah. Oh shit, she saw me. Yeah. No big deal or anything, yeah. but he veered up onto the sidewalk rather than encountering whoever was walking straight toward him. And I had short hair and a golf, a burgundy golf shirt on, you know, like, I didn't feel at all like, uh, the, you know, uh, and he probably thought carrier. You, he probably thought you were like a cool kid. Why not? I don't know. But, uh, he's probably like, oh, this, oh, this cat looks interesting. Lovely. Good. Yes. yes. You watching that Rolling Thunder thing? You're not paying. You're, you're, you're paying for you, right? Yeah. Okay, I believe so. Yeah. No, he's paying for everyone. Yeah, the whole team, all the beers, everything. I wish, I wish you were. I wish I. I wish. For me, like, you know, it's like Neil Young and. Neil's you know, Henri- Henrix are the, the Neil's and I probably know my number one. When I, yeah. I'm, ne- I'm, I'm like a, the prolific songwriters. I've, I think I've almost listened to every fucking album, and that's and I bought the archives that came out. Yeah. It's like a five hundred dollar box set, and now it's just all mine. <laughs> it's like, well, that was a waste of fucking money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, with, with him, it's kind of like that idea of like, okay, you can look funny and have big sideburns and kind of have a weird voice and and have these kind of stone lyrics and it somehow works and he rips the guitar. I mean, the more I listen to him, the more I think it's like his lead guitar playing is what I really, and it's kind of like how he has melodies all the time, like little micro melodies, like he's kind of, everything he plays is like a hook, yeah. you know? Yeah, like uh, like Ray Glory, like say like Country Home. He's working on a yeah on an anniversary edition of Back to the Gold Rush again. But I I just saw a headline this morning. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's gonna be nice. Yeah, and he just wanted he just worshipped Dylan. I mean, he just Dylan was his guy. There's that uh, Dylan and Hendrix. Jimmy McDonough. Uh, book Shaky McDonut. I say McDonut because I. But he's like a maritimer that wrote this yeah. crazy fucking. Maritimer, really? Yeah. Yeah, I got that book at home, man. It's a. Yeah. They don't have it in the public library system because either people just take it or. Yeah. It's also controversial. Like after <laughs> after Neil 
or yeah, after Neil agreed to do the book with him, and it was like they, Buddy went out and interviewed everyone that ever fucking knew Neil's parents, everyone. And then Neil tried to sue the guy, and it's like a book this thick. He tried to sue the guy, and like you can't fucking put this out. It's like fuck you. He said I could, and he did. Yeah. Well, wage and heavy peace. Oh yeah. Well, I mean that was a, that was that a big, that was a basically an ad for the photo. But uh, but I mean his his knowledge of like uh, vacuum tubes and like. Uh, guitar technology yeah, is crazy, and like that, you know how like the you know that thing yeah, the wizard. Do you know what the wizard is? Like how he turns up his amp. You know, like everybody else has a fucking pedal. But he's got an amp guy that has to fucking be prepared. It's a robot to arm. The tubes out. It's a robot. Yeah, he's got an arm. He invented a robot arm that turns the amp up. So the amp is underneath the stage, getting fed through a bigger amp on the stage. He when he presses this button. The robot arm turns it up. I didn't know that one. Yeah, the wizard. Check it out, man. It's pretty cool. It's like it's something you probably did in the '80s. Too. Yeah, and it's like the idea, like your tone. Whenever you use pedals, your tone starts to suck. So he's like, okay, I'm not gonna use pedals. I'm just gonna physically have my amp get turned up by this robot arm. The same amp he's had since he was like 16. So. <laughs> Whatever, 52. It whatever. didn't go down in his fire. Pardon me? Didn't his house burn down? Uh, yeah. In the, oh, yeah, he did uh, lose it in the LA fires. fire last year, last year or two. Yeah. Really? He lost a fucking one of his mansions. I know he. I, I know he. Didn't he? There was he nothing right about Carol Hanna, no, too, was, or something. Yeah, but just like he lost his house <laughs> next. Yeah. yeah. He, he was going through a divorce at the time, too, I think. So. Fucking, well, Neil's in complete control of everything. We're <laughs> <laughs> not talking about Neil, our house might burn down. Yeah, right. Yeah, this, this is it. But- Thank you for tuning in to Rockwell with Al Tuck and Charles Austin. Rockwell had a really good time talking to these fellers down at the old lion's head. Anyway. Stay tuned. Upcoming. Stay tuned. Declan Rockwell coming up next. Bye now. Rockwell Wit is produced by Matt Rockwell. For more information, reach out to Matt Rockwell. Thanks. Bye.